the tools that we have where people can just walk in, we can pull up their house, we can start playing, putting shingles, putting siding, and like we can have them walk away envisioning what their home will be like and then have them touch and play with a product. It's very much that Tesla approach, you know, where they let you come into the showroom and play with a car. We want to be able to play with, a, with their own home. Welcome back to Women at Work, the podcast for and about the women of the remodeling and construction industry, brought to you by Pro Remodeler and Pro Builder magazines. My name is Annie Sapolsky, and I'm the associate editor for Per Modeler and your co-host of work. Greta Bayrami is the CEO and founder of Golden Group Roofing. She's a true entrepreneur. While working as a roofing foreman, she saw an opportunity to bring more customer service to the roofing industry and dove headfirst into creating her own company to fill that need. But even before she was a CEO, she was no stranger to learning on the fly as a first-generation Albanian immigrant and young mother. We'll learn her tips and tricks for managing stress and building self-confidence, hiring the right right-hand man or woman, and finding innovative ways to leverage technology in the home improvement industry. But first, a quick request for me. If you like what you're hearing and want us to keep putting out new episodes, it would help us a lot if you would leave a rating and review wherever you get your audio. Even a short review helps show support for women builders, designers, and business managers who are killing it at work and beyond. And on to the show. How did you get your start in roofing? There aren't many women in the roofing industry. Yeah, I mean, my story is a little bit different than most. Um, I like to point out that it was skill set that got me into roofing rather than passion. I think passion is something that I developed along the way. Um, I recall being 21 years old. I had just finished, uh, you know, I was in my senior year in college, and I really was desperate to find a job. This is post-market recession, and, you know, I was I couldn't find much work opportunity. And when I saw an ad for a roofing company that was hiring foremen um, and they were paying like between 200 to $300 a day, I said, oh my God, this has my name all over it. Like this is something I could do. And I remember applying for the job. And in the beginning, it was just a need that I needed the money and I needed to, you know, to, to get my work experience started post-college. So I stumbled upon this roofing company. But along the way, being there, I realized that, I had passion uh, for customer service and I had empathy and I knew how to deal with people differently than most. So I developed a passion for the roofing industry. And then I said to myself, I think I can do this as a career and I think I can do it different than most. One of the key contexts, I think, is that you're a woman in the industry, but you're also first gen and you're also a young mother. What was that like building a business while kind of navigating a country and navigating motherhood. Well, yeah, thanks for asking that question. That's a tough question for me personally, but I, I like to open up and tell others about it just in case there's somebody listening that has my story. It's obviously been tough. Uh, I'm very candid about that. I've had very low moments in my life where I've had to deal with depression. Um, it's something that I've learned to overcome, you know, myself through my experiences um, and my support system, of course, because Coming to this country as an immigrant and not knowing the language, but then learning everything and wanting to become part of the American culture, you know, was something that was hard for me, but I achieved it. But then having my dreams be put on pause because I realized that I was going to be a young mother my freshman year in college, you know, that that shifted everything where I was no longer responsible just for getting good grades. I was responsible for raising a life. I was responsible for taking and bathing and, and feeding a child. And that changed everything for me. And it was tough because I was living paycheck to paycheck. I was on welfare. Um, I was, you know, there was moments where me and my partner didn't think we were going to be together. Roofing saved me. 
because it was the only industry that allowed me to sort of blend in. Nobody really cared. I was a mom, a, mom, a young mom, immigrant. I was working and I was making a living and I was growing. And, you know, I'm so thankful that I found myself in roofing and I'm so thankful that I didn't have to worry about another career, you know, another career path because it was a very low point in my life. But I started to realize that I was worthy and I was a great person and I couldn't let people define me by one thing I had done in my life. That was the biggest turning point in my life. The day, I remember the day, it was like 2012, where I decided to make my flaws a part of my story and my identity, and I owned it. And and then I was able to let everybody know that they no longer held that power over me. Any name and label that they had called me uh, was no longer something that stuck onto me. The only thing that stuck to me was my name, and that was the only power that I ever gave people. So the only name they could call me was Greta by Rami and nothing more. For anybody listening, it's important to realize that no matter what you do, wanting to do in life, um, it's your story, and you're and you're, you you should be able to do whatever you want in whatever industry you want. Don't let society's narratives or or perceptions put you in a category or in a box. You know, you are. I call myself the rootless CEO because I'm a CEO with no roots. I don't belong necessarily to anything other than myself, right? Like I am an Albanian immigrant, young mom in roofing. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it gets any more ruthless than that. So do you have any tips for people uh, who are in the remodeling industry and home improvement industry to manage stress and to kind of find a more productive way to deal with it? Yeah, when it comes to managing the stress of a client, I think the best thing you can do is set up realistic expectations. I, I felt that in my company, the stress started to go down with the more expectations and learning moments we did during the consultation and pre-install, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not just saying about an email. I'm, I'm saying a real educational of what's going to happen. Like, here's a 15-minute call, what's to expect tomorrow? And then here's another 15 minutes expect what to expect the next day following. The, we call those barriers in our company. And the more of those barriers we started to layer, we realized that we really started to control that stress where the client wasn't necessarily lending it on us, but it was it was more so broken up and, 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 and controlled. Um, so I think that was really important. The more expectations and the more knowledge moments we added along the experience from, from a lead to, to, to a finalized project, the better that um, anxiety got uh, for both the client and the team. And then I think uh, on a team perspective, the people that work for me, um, what I like to tell them each day is whenever you're entering a job, don't ever let yourself get so stressed out to the point that you are, you're, you lose focus on what you're doing. Tell yourself that it was done before, likely by a man, not a machine. Therefore, you can do it too. Maybe for you, it's going to be a little bit harder to find the right way to do it, but in the make no mistake that you too will do it. And if you have to take a step back and relax and, you know, and or come to the office or meet with a friend or even just step out and get a cup of coffee and then revisit the project scope of work again, then do it. Uh, but make no mistake that just because you can't find the answer right now doesn't mean there is no answer. Or ask the incredible people and French friends that we've made. You know, what I love about our industry is that we've made so many friends on social media that we constantly reach out to and we ask them a question. And they reply instantly back with their opinion on how to handle a situation, whether it is on production, marketing, or just operations. I have said goodbye to PowerPoints and uh, the person standing up. Um, I think that they are no longer effective because our, our social dynamics are changing so much and more so than ever in 2021. And what I like to do now is we like to meet in the room and uh, in front of whiteboards and everybody gets like a Sharpie and a round table and they start just like throwing up ideas. 
And, you know, then we discuss them in an open circle. And then we take, somebody takes notes throughout the whole meeting of what's happening. And we found that this approach is so much more uh, engaging and knowledgeable for every member of the team, rather than me showing them a PowerPoint or rather than a, a manager going up to make a presentation. We found that when we sit in a round table with a whiteboard and everybody's got a Sharpie throwing up ideas, we are able to use our creativity more. We're able to open up, you know, more thought processes in every single member of the team because every single member of the team has something to bring to the table that's unique and different. And we have said goodbye to PowerPoints. We've said goodbye to, you know, managers leading meetings. And then, unless, of course, it's something very important. But we found that this approach of roundtable, whiteboard, everybody get creative, throw something up, tell me what you're thinking, has, has really helped the team grow, evolve, but most importantly, it's helped them find a communicating uh, style between one another. What's the most innovative idea that you think has come out of one of those meetings? Uh, well, COVID <laughs> didn't help. But one of the most innovative ideas that my team had is they wanted to take the 3D approach and experience um, to people. They were like, look, we need to have pop-up shops of all these 3D tools that we have where people can just walk in. We can pull up their house. We can start playing, putting shingles, putting siding, and, like, we can have them walk away envisioning what their home will be like and then have them touch and play with a product. It's very much that Tesla approach, you know, where they let you come into the showroom and play with a car. We wanted people to come in and play with a, with their own home using satellite imagery and hover 3D to be able to propose that rendering of their home. That was one of the final idea questions. We are very I excited think... to actually implement that, but hopefully in the near future we'll be able to implement something like that. Knock on wood, right? Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Can you talk about a time when there has been, like, a significant challenge either at work or in your personal life and how you overcame it? I think one of the biggest challenges was the growth. Um, I'll be very candid with it. I think uh, being an entrepreneur and being a business owner are two very different things. Just because you are the entrepreneur, the person who came up with a vision – um, that you have to really look at yourself and say, but am I the right person to run the daily operations of this? And if you're not, bring on a partner. Or if you have the capital, hire on the right talent. And you can still be, continue to be the most incredible entrepreneur because you might be you might be great at branding. You might be great at overseeing, um, you know, sales strategy. Uh, but don't don't burden yourself to think that I'm the entrepreneur. I'm the CEO. I'm the director. I'm the operations. You know, because that could become a self-destruct where one day you're going to find yourself hating what you do and maybe closing the doors of your own business. I'm a business owner, let's just say, and I've come to that point of I, I need to uh, hire somebody to kind of pick up in the places where I might not, not be as strong. How do you find the right person? How did you decide who you could trust with like the, your company, your baby? I think that's something that's going to be really personable, but I think what I, my biggest tip to anybody is take your time. Um, or don't make, just because you need it today, don't make the mistake of filling that role too quickly. For me, it's been a process where I will obviously have a lot of applicants apply, but then I will have discovery calls with those applicants. And then I'll book like a coffee date with those applicants and I'll have a lunch date with those applicants. And then maybe I'll bring them in for a more formal meeting um, because you have to see that person in so many different settings, not to see if they're necessarily the best person for the job. They might have all the skills, but to see if they are a person that you feel comfortable enough to run your business with, because sometimes somebody might be the perfect person in skill set, but maybe their style is just not yours. And it, you might lie to yourself and say, I'll make it work. But ultimately, if you don't enjoy somebody's style of working, make no mistake, you're never going to be able to share your throne with them or share your, you know, your baby or your business or your, 
or your whatever you, how you call your whatever your business titles in your mind, but you're never going to be able to share that with somebody that you don't enjoy their style of working. So for me, when I'm when I'm trying to hire somebody that I want them to have, you know, even a management role or director role, my biggest thing is I have to enjoy getting coffee with that person. I have to enjoy having lunch with that person. I have to enjoy having conversation with that person before we even look at the skill set that it's going to take them to actually accomplish the tasks of their job. Thanks to Greta for joining me on the podcast and to all of you for listening. A link to more info about the Golden Group Roofing is in the show notes. Women at Work is now available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and anywhere else where you get your audio. If you like what you're hearing so far, I'd love it if you took a minute to rate and review the show on whatever platform you use. Our next episode will feature another female professional who is making some serious moves in the industry. Until then, follow us on social and keep on working.